Hi there, welcome to the Fearless Lady Podcast. I am your host, the Fearless Lady, Charlene Light. When I turned 40, I decided to create a really fun challenge for myself by stepping into my fears 40 different ways. I tackled fears around aging, going after my dreams, and even finding true love. This podcast is about that journey and how it transformed my life and how you can start looking at your fear as an invitation to step into your worth, invite more freedom, joy, and fun back into your life. Life can be an adventure. Live the life of your dreams. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to another edition of The Fearless Lady. I am so excited to announce that today's episode is the season finale, which means I'm going to wrap up my final two fearless acts when I decided to go back and do them again. Um, I'm going to share with you two of the most profound, most informative, and sort of, I guess, the ones that really shaped me. Like a lot of people have asked me, you know, what was the scariest one that you've done? Um, and I really, I think it's these last two that kind of hold a special place in my heart because they are together sort of combining the two things that I really did, um, have the most shame around that I didn't feel I was worthy of either having success or being good enough, and then also not being worthy um, or, or having shame around being single. So the first one is, you know, I decided to go back on the subway and sing. And, you know, if you remember um, the very first time I did it, I had that beautiful um, man who was like announcing me to the subway car. And then I got up and then I was like, oh my God. And I sang and people applauded. And it was this really great kind of serendipitous um, moment where I felt truly like I was being held. Like I did have angels watching over me and I, and to kind of perpetuate this like incredible stage. Like they literally you know, gave me a stage and, and, and really allowed somebody to say, Hey, listen to her, you know? Um, and so this time around, when I went back on the subway, I wanted to see, like, am I still going to be as nervous? And like, what would it feel like if I just gave myself, um, an intention of, okay, I'm going to, you know, start at Herald Square. Cause I remember on Tuesday nights, I had a class at Crunch Gym called Yoga Unplugged, where I would always bring my acoustic guitar and I would sing and serenade at the end of class in Shavasana. So I already had my guitar on my back. And from Herald Square, it's about a 45 minute subway train ride back to my home, my home in Brooklyn. So I was like, what would happen if I just went from car to car singing? Like that was my only intention. I'm not going to just give up after the first try. I'm going to actually have an intention, actually um, almost like create a promise for myself, right? And so it was really interesting because I was like, well, maybe I won't be scared anymore because I've done <laughs> I've done this enough times or I, you know, I have no problem singing with my guitar, you know, like what's the big deal? Just hop on the subway, no big deal, you know? Of course, for those of you that aren't from New York or don't know anything about Herald Square, Herald Square is probably one of the most... Um, congested, most, like, it's one of the busiest subway stations. Um, it's very, I say it's worse than Times Square, truthfully, because it just, when you walk down all those steps, it feels like you're entering like a dark hole. <laughs> like you really go down deep, you know, to get to the train. 
And so there's not a lot of like air circling around. I definitely felt much more nervous because this is around rush hour. Um, actually, it was after. It was like probably about 7.45 p.m. on a Tuesday night. So it was just super crowded. So I'm going to read to you what I wrote and then I'll um, go into detail. So um, fearless act number 43, what singing on the subway for the second time taught me. I didn't want to do this one again. I just didn't. Nope. No, thank you. I did it once and it turned out great. So I'm going to lean towards the big hell no in my head and respectfully decline. (sighs) But then there's this other voice in my head, a much softer, kinder nudge of a voice whispering, what are you really afraid of? I'm afraid no one will listen. I'm afraid of looking like a fool. I'm afraid of falling on my ass because standing up while playing my guitar on a crowded subway train while the train is moving is dangerous. I'm afraid I'll give up. I'm afraid of crying like a little girl at feeling unnoticed. There, are you happy in her voice? Isn't that a good enough reason? Nope. I have learned there's always something more to discover underneath that fear. So last Tuesday evening with my guitar on my back, I just decided to do it again. And in this instance, the fear was much more intense than the first time. I pulled out my guitar and introduced myself. Hey guys, I'm Charlene, and I'm going to sing you a song that I wrote, and you can listen or or not. And here goes. (laughs) I can't believe I said or not. Then I started singing, and the train is going express, which if you're a New Yorker, you know what that sounds like. Really loud, awful noises starting to interfere as we're speeding through stops. If you're not familiar, the noise resembles a steamroller mixed with a longhorn scratching rails. It's awful. I couldn't hear me. They certainly couldn't hear me. So I kept singing louder. Then it stopped, and now they can hear me screaming. I mean singing. I awkwardly thanked everyone for listening and began to travel to the next car. As I leave, I feel a tap on my shoulder. I turned, and it's a man handing me $2. Two dollars. He must have felt sorry for me. Side note, why do we always have to go there? Why can't I just accept that maybe he liked my singing? I thanked him and went on my way. I made the decision to continue to sing from car to car until I reached my destination home in Brooklyn. And in case you're wondering, that's a lot of stops. As I continued my stint of subway songstress, I began to get good at it. I introduced myself, I sang, I tried different songs to see if one would be the hit of the subway singing experience. I tried to make eye contact, I smiled, I waved, and I kept moving. Some people would hand me a couple of bucks as I left, and others didn't even look up. In fact, I noticed one man leave the subway car as soon as I started to sing, just to move to the next one. So I followed him. I had this idea that I would stand right in front of him while singing. But instead, I sat down and watched him from across the way. He just wanted to read his paper in quiet. I get it, dude. And I moved on. As I got closer to my destination, I kept wondering, where is my big ending? This can't be it. Then I heard that voice again. Why do you always need a big outcome? You just sang and played for over 30 minutes without taking anyone's responses personally. You behaved much braver than you did the first time. That is enough. I sat in silence. My heart was beating a mile a minute. I was drenched in sweat. It was as if I had just gotten done with a workout. I mean, didn't I? I packed my guitar back in its case and I realized two things. One, it doesn't feel good to be ignored and unseen. It just doesn't. I started to think about what my life would have been like if I never felt seen. 
What if my parents didn't love me like the way they do? Or what if I wasn't attractive by societal standards? Or what if I had no talent or no positive reinforcement and so on? I felt really lucky that I am someone who walks into spaces where people are actually happy to see me. In fact, I built my life around being seen, valued, appreciated, admired. And the second realization is when you hear that big loud voice screaming, no, don't do it again. It's usually because there's an unhealed wound, probably from childhood, that doesn't want to be triggered. That's what this voice was trying to protect me from. Because I did begin to tear up when I walked from subway car to subway car, feeling ignored. Emotions are our truth tellers. They force us to notice where we still need our healing. And the difference is, I felt it, and I just kept going. And that's all we can do. I left the train and this experience feeling more expansive, more open, freer, lighter. And that is enough. So that fearless act was just so powerful. I couldn't stop shaking. I'll never forget sitting there on the last stop to my house, sweating and like shaking, shaking. My whole body was shaking. Like I had just pushed through like the hardest thing I had ever done in my life. And it felt, that's what it feels like. That's what we're meant to feel. You know, that's what it means to be alive. Really, truly. <sighs> All right, so this final fearless act, like I said, these last two are really kind of um, partners with each other in terms of like the most meaningful to me because, you know, one was about music and, and not feeling seen or appreciated or feeling worthy and all that kind of stuff. And then this last one was when I said yes to the dress and I decided to go in and try on a wedding dress. So as you remember from, I think it was Fearless Act number 11 or 12 or something like that, um, I walked into David's Bridal the first time and I was so scared and I realized or I had this epiphany like, wow, maybe I don't want to wear a white dress. Maybe this isn't even who I am anymore. Maybe this fantasy is like totally outdated. You know, maybe I want to get married in a towel or, <laughs> you know, um, I'll read it to you and then I'll explain what happened um, because it was so, so profound and so beautiful too. So okay. final fearless act, I said yes to the dress. There I was walking down 6th Avenue after being placed on hold with customer service about a dispute on my credit card when I walked right by the infamous David's Bridal on 26th Street. I paused. I was angry, annoyed, and irritable, which turns out are three superpowers that get you to do things that you're really scared of. It took all of three seconds for me to decide today was the day I was going to try on a wedding dress. While still on hold, one earbud in and the other hanging from my purse, I went directly to the lady at the front desk. Excuse me, I realize I don't have an appointment, but would it be possible to browse through the wedding dresses in the back? Absolutely, she said with confidence. Awesome. No more sneaking around. At this point, I hung up with customer service because customer service, who cares? I'm about to try on a wedding dress. <laughs> this time, as I browsed those big white gowns, I felt differently. Hmm. I kind of see myself in that one or maybe that one. Then I saw one on the sales rack and decided this would be the one I'd try. I went back to the lovely lady at the front desk and asked, I just found a dress on the sales rack that I would love to try on. May I? 
She looked at her list of appointments. I felt nervous, but calm. She said, can you fill this out? Then we can squeeze you in. Oh, absolutely, I replied with joy. Now I'm thrilled. Second time around, and I'm getting to do the thing that I really want. The questionnaire required little meaningless details like approximate date of the wedding, which I was able to write down as a possibility, you know, if things went well and I met someone in time for that date. It also required my email address, which now, thankfully, I get emails congratulating me on my engagement and informing me how many months away until my big day. All very thoughtful and more encouraging for my ego than the usual, still single, don't kill yourself yet, he's online now. I filled out everything and waited for the sales associate to call my name. Charlene, a young woman announced, right here. I stood up like I had been waiting my whole life to get called. Which dress would you like to try, she asked. I pointed to the dress. She removed it off the rack and placed it on one of those dressing rooms. I started to get nervous again, but more excited nervous, butterflies nervous, happy, oh my God, nervous. Let me know if you would need anything while you're in dressing. Okay, I said, and everything yes will be in caps because in my head I was screaming. Now I'm excited. Adrenaline is pumping through me, nerves going crazy. I felt again like I had to pee in my pants. But to calm me, I kept repeating to myself, there's nothing to fear anymore. Step into the role completely. Go out there with confidence. You are getting married. Yes, you. Allow yourself to believe it. Allow it to feel real. And so I did. I walked out, turned around to see my reflection in the full-length mirror, and there, staring back at me, was a girl. No, wait. A woman. Me. As a bride. Do you have some heels I can try? I called out. Oh, of course, she said. Wow, that dress fits you perfectly. Let me get something to tailor it a bit in the back. And she's clipping my back and tightening the fit. I started to really see my wedding day. My family there, my friends, my husband. It actually began to feel real. Not far away in, fant- not far away in fantasy land, but possible. How should I wear my hair, do you think? I asked. How should I wear my hair? Who am I right now? <laughs> oh, I'll get some hair clips to, for you to try. I tried a few on. I had the sales lady take some pictures of me in the dress. I even think I started to sway from side to side just to feel how it danced. I looked at the price tag and thought, I can actually buy this if I wanted. I turned to the sales lady, gave her a big hug. My heart was full. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything. As I broke away from the hug, I heard her say, wow, even though this is fake? Wait, what? Huh? What did she just say? Did I imagine this? Or did she actually say that? I shrugged it off like I didn't hear her and went back into the dressing room to change. Then, behind closed doors, I really heard what she said. In fact, it's the only thing I can hear. And I started to tear up. I took the gown off, walked out of the dressing room, and hid my feelings as much as I could. I smiled and waved goodbye as I walked out. And once I left, I just started thinking, who is she to know if it's fake? Who is she to rob me of that moment of joy? Wait a minute. I have the power here, and I won't let her. Nobody can take your joy away from you unless you choose to. Even though I got to try that dress on, I still felt like I was missing something, like there was a bigger lesson here that I didn't get, and then it hit me. Sometimes we need the universe to manifest our deepest fears so that we really know with certainty that we can survive it. 
I was terrified both times that someone would know that I was single and kick me out or tell me I wasn't allowed to be there or throw me in some room marked, not engaged, call authorities or some other ridiculousness. And I was afraid of sharing the story, of admitting to everyone that I even wanted or needed that moment. And I just did. I just did. I needed this experience to fulfill a childhood dream of becoming a bride. As I got older, that dream became so distant and far away, I started to doubt that it would ever happen. And by stepping into that dress and walking into the bridal store, I had to face all the shame that I had been carrying around for being single at this age, for what society tells me about that, for how badly I have felt about myself because of this one area in my life. This experience was so much bigger than the dress. It allowed me to face these insecurities and finally be free. Perhaps my biggest fearless act has been revealing so much of myself over social media. I didn't expect to get this real, but it's also been the greatest gift. By opening myself up, I get to release my shame, my fears, my embarrassments, my weakness, my joy, my heart, all of it. And that is what this journey has been about for me, getting to the truth of who I am. I cannot express how deeply grateful I am to you for allowing to for allowing me sorry for following along with me for sharing your words your notes of encouragement of love of validation that I am not alone you've shown me that it's okay to be vulnerable to be human to be flawed to be me as I embark on yet another milestone in a few days another blessed year of life I have only two words to offer thank you just Thank you. This would have not been the same journey if I didn't get to share it all with you. Here's to the next chapter. All my love, Charlene. Yeah. It's really interesting to read that again now that I am 45 and I'm going to be 46. You know, I remember after I posted that, Somebody replied around like, you know, I don't, I don't understand like why wearing a wedding dress would matter so much. And it's just, again, understanding the pressure that I think society puts on women. Um, also coupled with my own fantasy of one day getting married and having, you know, that traditional wedding gown and all of those things. You know, I had been a part of that sort of tradition for friends. So I wanted that experience. I wanted to know what it was like. And it was something that I can do as a single person that would really make me feel like I was stepping into that role and making it real. And like I said, I just needed to see myself like it was possible because it just felt up until that point, like it was just a fantasy and it may never happen. And, you know, the greatest gift was, you know, when she made that comment and I, you know, initially got emotional and I felt like, you know, I, don't, I was really angry. I was really upset with like God and the universe. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, why would you put me through that? And then only to like have somebody crush it like that, you know? And then I realized like, wait a second, that was my biggest fear. And guess what? It happened and I'm okay. I survived it. Like next you know what I mean? And I think that's so telling to 
all of us that we have these fears and they keep us from doing the things that we really want to do. But guess what? When the thing you fear the most happens, you're not going to die. Trust me, you will not. I know it feels that way. I mean, I had the same kind of fear moving back home. You know, here I was 44, right? 44 or 43, deciding to move back to LA after 13 years in New York City. And I was not joyously moving back. I I had a lot of fear around coming back home. I had a lot of fear around starting all over again at this age. And what does that mean? And even though there was an excitement around, you know, a new beginning and a new chapter, I had tremendous fear. And I have to say, all of those fears came true. (laughs) The feelings of, you know, it's going to be hard. What if I don't connect to my family? What if, you know, my friendships and, and all the, of, of the people that I've been thinking I'm so close to, we're not close anymore. Once I live with, you know, in the same city as them, you know, all of those things that I was really scared of, listen, they ended up exploding right in front of me. So, but the beautiful thing is like, it did not kill me. I actually learned so much, which was that I was holding on to so many, so many relationships and so many, um, parts of myself that just weren't, they weren't who I was, who had, who I had become. So they needed to be cut off. They needed to be sort of terminated. I mean, I know terminated feels like such a negative word, I guess just released, sort of like a gratitude of like, you know, thank you very much for being a part of my life all this time, but it's time to now move on, move on to a new chapter. And I will say that I really strengthened my relationships with my family and it's because I'm learning how to communicate better. Like for me, for instance, you know, my father is constantly asking me how much money I'm making and wants to make sure I'm making money. And I was just like so triggered all the time because I wanted him to understand me. I wanted him to see that like, it's not just about money and I'm making an impact and it takes time and da, 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 you know, all these things. And then I realized like, whoa, that voice actually was coming from me. And he's just reflecting back to me an insecurity that I was feeling, which is like, can I really do this? Will I be able to make this a career? You know, so once I understood that and I really started to unpack it, um, it stopped happening. And the same with, you know, the question around relationships, you know, and I had to create boundaries and tell people that, you know, it's none of your business. I didn't say it like that, but basically very much, you know, creating a boundary around like, you know, you can't, you can't really ask me that anymore. I'll, I'll let you know you know, um, and it, it working and really having deep conversations around this stuff with my family. And I think it's just so important to remember everything is a mirror. All of our relationships are mirrors. All the things that are happening, you know, in our lives are because we have co-created it in some way, whether it was, you know, perceived lack or coming from love. Um, but it's all here for us. And so I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of this journey of reliving all of these fearless acts. So this is the end of this season. I hope to come back and do a new season where I will be interviewing other women that have lived fearlessly and providing 
even more insight and more excitement and more fun um, as you listen to all of those interviews. If you really enjoyed my podcast, I would love it if you can let me know or write a review or send it to a friend. It really does help. And I'm going to leave you with my one of my favorite songs that I feel like is really... Um, kind of encompassing of this whole journey, which is walking on freedom. And this is, a, this is an acoustic version of that. So sending you so much love and light and joy and fearlessness. Take care, everyone.
Walking on 